Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's February 25th, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 464. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klapik. Hey. Renata Price. Hello, gamers. And our producer, Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Uh, so obviously we're recording this the day that Russia has invaded Ukraine, and it's yet another one of those days where it feels at once very strange and very fortunate to be sitting comfortable and safe at home talking about video games. Uh, it is heartbreaking and scary to think about all the people whose homes and towns now lie in the path of a major war. Uh, last night I was checking in with friends who have people in uh, Kharkiv and uh, sorry, I have the Polish pronunciation in my head, Lvov, uh, but I asked <laughs> Liu. Uh, and I know that many of us have friends in Ukraine, Russia, or the broader region who look upon these events with real and immediate dread. Um, not out of nationalism, but also out of an understanding of our common humanity and how nationalism and imperialism threaten that. And the shape and impact those forces have had in the region in the recent and more distant past. The thing I'd add for myself here is that I often see these topics discussed through the lens of U.S. hegemony, either in frames built to justify its perpetuation or in opposition to it. Um, I think it is easy for those of us who are aware of the United States violent policing of the post-World War II world, uh, its viciousness in the war on terror or it's history regarding the whole sum of the Western Hemisphere south of the Rio Grande as a strategic backyard to be controlled from Washington. Uh, those of us whose perspective has been shaped by that awareness can be very cynical, uh, justifiably so, about the rhetoric from Western politicians and militarists when it comes to Russia and its own actions. But I'd also stress that this cuts across a lot of complicated history and politics that is immediate and familiar to people from Eastern Europe and is much harder to parse from within a U.S. and Western European-oriented discourse. Uh, there's a temptation to turn this into another stage for familiar debates in our own political context, but I'd certainly suggest listening to voices from within the region about what they have to say about their experiences and their hopes and their fears, and learning from them what is most helpful and supportive uh, for us to do right now. Uh, so that's all I got about that. Um I guess there is an angle of this where because of where this is happening, there has been some activity in the video game space around this uh, that, you know, maybe worth mentioning, uh, both because it's 
some of it's some of it's odd in one case um, and in another case uh, is sort of a in continuity with, um, you know, what we've seen from this developer before. Patrick, you, you mentioned uh, that 11 bit uh, sent out a press release earlier today. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I think it you know, speaks to the fact that games more than a lot of other mediums are like universally global and like the kinds of games you play can come from all sorts of different places in the way that feels less true for like the broader like media that people tend to consume and like movies and, and, and music and things like that. It's not true of everybody, but I think a video games itself broaden that out for a lot of people in a way that they're not always aware of um, where you can like be a fan of stalker and like unaware that, you know, the sequel um, that I guess is not coming out later this year is coming from, uh, you know, being developed in Ukraine. And then you also have, you know, 11 bit, you know, developers of games like uh, this war is mine, this war of mine, sending out a statement, um, you know, uh, I'll just read it, I guess. Today in Russian military forces attacked the free country of Ukraine, our neighbors as a Polish game studio and creators of the globally re- globally recognized anti-war game, this war of mine, one that directly speaks about the suffering and misery of civilians who are affected by war. We'd like to hereby announce our company's statement. We stand against the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Just words we empty that meaningful act, though, and the timing is crucial. So the act is as follows. For the next seven days, all profits from this war of mine, all DLCs and all stores and all platforms go to a special fund. A week from now, this money will be donated to the Ukrainian Red Cross to directly support victims of war in Ukraine. Now, this message resonates with everything you know about this war and how a war kills people, devastates their lives and homes. Let us, players and developers, together do everything we can to support the victims of war in Ukraine. Sincerely, all the people of 11-Bit Studios. Hashtag fuck the war. Hashtag Ukraine. Um, and uh, that's in concert with um, the developers of Stalker uh, 2, uh, GSC Game World. Uh, I don't have the statement in front of me, but it's essentially a statement uh, uh, you know, similar in in, in tone, a little more, obviously more personal given their, their location. Um, but at the bottom is a series of numbers that we had to verify what they did. And then the conclusion that was drawn is that it's essentially a way for the Ukrainian government to allow outsiders to directly fund the Ukra- Ukrainian military as they grapple with what's in front of them. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a lot. Um, and it's interesting the ways that it, that it intersects with the games that we play and the studios that we're that we follow um when these real world conflicts then you know directly impact you know you watch you know as the, the you know the attacks were starting last night you know people fleeing kiev and it's like okay well then do these studios need to start figuring out ways to get i mean it's just yeah it's complicated yeah and i think like it's certainly been a thing that you know we've seen coming for ages, but I, I think for myself, I was certainly hoping that this would not happen. Right. Like yeah. that, that in the end, this would prove to be, uh, you know, a bluff or a skirmish along, uh, you know, those, the frontier of that, that separatist region. Uh, but obviously today, um, every time you check the news, every time you check Twitter, um, you will see something else that's startling and horrible. Um, and so that is just what today is. Um, this is, there's, there's no easy way to make this transition. I think we've just, (laughs) Kata will have cut out about three minutes of us trying different versions (laughs) to like segue this podcast, uh, because that is what today is. Uh Um, but we have also like spent the last couple of days and in Ren's case, uh, the last week with from software's Elden Ring, uh, which seems to be getting almost universally like 
rave reviews. Ren was very measured. And I would like to talk about Ren's experience of Elden Ring so far, um, which is unfortunate because I think Ren has had to have this conversation with me like three times uh, in the last couple of days as we edited the piece. But nevertheless, here we go again. Uh, before we before we do this, Ren's review is on the site right now. There's a whole like you really want the details of like what Ren's take was on like on Embargo Day. Check it out on the site. But Ren, you didn't play 85 hours. And so I just don't know if it's this, true. This- it's true. <laughs> I'm a fake gamer girl. I did sleep um, when 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 the saints decreed. I did sleep uh, following the will of the greater will. Uh, I did take a nap here or there. Uh, and so I only put about 25 hours into the game before. Followed um, your own personal grace um, to the bed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just conked my shit right out. And, um, yeah, I put about 27 hours in. I am, I've beaten the first of like the five, like major area bosses. Right. Um, I think it's a very good video game. I think it's excellent in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's a recontextualization of the series and not a redefinition. And I, I can say that I was hoping for a redefinition in a lot of ways. Um, that you would hope the open world, would be the the avenue through which like what a FromSoft game is redefined. Yeah, I was yeah. I was definitely hoping for that because as it stands right now, the ways in which Elden Ring is like shaped by space, right? These games have always been like narratively light, right? You go in, you play, you know, Rise, you tarnished, or Ashen One, or Chosen Undead. Here's your objective: go kill the dudes, and then the narrative actually comes in through lore entries and all of that stuff, right? And that leaves a lot of room for player narrativization. Uh, you know, building a character who you feel resonant with and then being like, why does this character want to do this? And then thinking that out. That's something that plenty of people do in playing Souls games, right? What Elden Ring has done with space is it has like expanded that playing field for like narrative play that you get to do as the player in a way that is like extremely exciting to me, right? Being able to like choose which region my character wants to engage with first is really cool, right? Moving through spaces um, in the open world is nice, um, but frictionless. And that's kind of my fundamental problem with Elden Ring is that for all of the space they've given you to play around with builds, right? They've given you a lot more space to play with uh, in terms of like, it's easier to switch what weapon type you're using. It's easier to switch, you know, there's a respec option the game gives you later on. There are all of these things that make the Souls like genre in some ways easier to engage with, not easier in terms of like gameplay, but easier to like reckon with and find yourself within, right? And that's all great, but I cannot help but wish that the parts of the game that were not combat felt like a Souls game should feel, or felt like a Souls-born game traditionally feel. If that weird, messy, you know, roughness was in the feeling of riding torrent, was in the feeling of moving around at night. And instead, those things end up feeling kind of frictionless. And what could have been a design philosophy that left combat and actually goes further into, you know, movement um, and like, you know, world design mostly stays within the combat systems and like your traditional like souls levels. I would, I would, the, 
so I've played far less than Ren. Um, I've played like 10 ish hours, I guess a little bit more if you count the <laughs> Sam, the samurai, um, a part of our, uh, stream from, from this morning. Um, I, I certainly grant you like that the open world part is, is frictionless, but would argue that it's the, it's certainly a purposeful choice to, to make it frictionless mm-hmm. in the sense that souls games traditionally are tunnel vision, both in like it, you walk down, a dressed up corridor and then you hit a brick wall and you are asked to go through that brick wall. Sometimes you'll have choices on which brick wall you'd like to walk up against, but like, it's really, you're going forward. There's traps in front of you, figure out the traps, hit the brick wall. That's the skill check. The game is deploying Then you go, then you go forth. Um, And there is just so few avenues to reduce that friction, that tension, because the game at all times is engaging with you at basically 100%. And I think what's fascinating about Elden Ring is that it essentially hands control over the tension to the player, where if you don't want to have an experience full of tension, full of engagement, you don't have to. If If a certain encounter is no longer one that you even want to deal with, you can just leave. And it is not just uh, in the sense that it is easy to click a button and then pull up torrent your horse and you can ride off into uh, a poison swamp. Although I get from what I from what I understand, torrent is very good at allowing you to skip past the poison swamps and not have yes. to deal with them. Um, but that uh, you could just go somewhere else. You can do something else. And there, you are essentially unlimited options in your ability to do so. And so I think it's like I have found Depending on the evening that I have played this, I am in a mood for some, like I had a extremely frustrating time playing this last night in which I thought, OK, finally, there are a series of bosses in Limgrave, sort of the big op- the, the first opening area um, that I'm ready to take on. I want to sweep through those and then I'm going to push forward um, on, on what it seems to be the one of the critical paths in front of me. And it was like slamming my head into a brick wall. I was making absolutely zero progress. I'd, I'd go from one to the other and be like, these all is my build. Is my build terrible? Am I, do I just not have the wherewithal to play these games anymore? Like, are they slipping away from me? And I finally sort of just like centered myself. I was like, I could also go South. I have not explored South. There is a huge open area that I have just not even touched. And I just went there and then reduced that friction of, encountering these bosses that I was either not prepared for, don't have the right build for the servers are also offline. So I can't even like call in friends or strangers to help me. And then had a wonderful, like last 90 minutes with the game that was about what is in that little tower? Like what's around like the bend there? Like what is this weird uh, medallion that I've picked up or a talisman that I can like use uh, to, to enhance part of my, my build. And Mm -hmm. uh, I really, really enjoyed the ability to run away from the friction. Um, I think there's probably a, a world where you could marriage the two of these in which like, I don't think, I don't think what I'm suggesting is that uh, the open world has to be inherently frictionless. I, th- I think you can sense that this is Frum's like first real attempt at like big, big map. Like what do we put in it? And I think there are, there are ways that they're, that they could satisfy both, both things we're talking about, which is like an ability to control the pace of your experience in a game that is frequently aggressive, but that when you're, when you're outside of those like intense combat sequences, there's something equally uh, interesting and engaging. And I I would certainly grant you that 
that part, at least in my experience so far, that part is not really there. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the it's not that I think that the open world doesn't throw enough challenges at you. It's it's it, I don't mean friction in the sense of like difficulty, right? I don't think that, you know, you should be constantly under assault. It's more the a sense of engaged play. And that's the problem that I have with Torrent is that like engaged play isn't just about like am I doing something difficult? It's about like okay, what am I doing right now? And right when you're on Torrent just like riding through the woods, you're just moving fast and nothing can fuck with you. And that's not a like, oh, I think the game's too easy problem. It is a like, I, I'm i happy to run through the woods and nothing can fuck with me. But I want that to be a more considered experience, right? I want to... It's just traversal. It's just traversal, right? Yeah. And when I think about a game like this, when I think about what Elden Ring could be and echoes I see in certain areas, right, that are that do feel more engaged with what you're moving through the world, I cannot help but wonder, like, you know, it's a... It's an easy comparison to make, but like, I can't stop thinking about what happens when this game feels like 20% more like Dragon's Dogma, when it's just like a little bit more interested in the intricacies of traversal and like the feeling of preparation and engaging with things that aren't combat and that aren't traditional Souls NPCs, right? Like the crafting system, for example, before a boss fight, I hunt for animals and I go to a place and I gather fireflies and I use them to make arrows that I then go and use my magical arrows in these boss fights, right? And that's the shit, thin beast bones, what you yes. use to craft arrows. So, yes. yeah, so like they, that's like one of the most common currencies you get when you act, attack a harmless boar is like, aha, now thin beast bones into my satchel. I love I love a thin beast bone. And like I was like <laughs> not engaging with the hunting at all because it's like it's not super deep, but like the ritual of engagement is very different now, right? The like before it's like, oh, I'll farm some souls and then buy some arrows for a fight. This is very different. It is intentional. It is engaged. It is like, okay, I have to go across this world to find this specific resource that only spawns in this one area. And like, so I can get ready for this fight. And that shit is, is the things that I'm interested in. That is the kind of open world friction that is not related to difficulty, right? Hunting animals isn't difficult, but it is a thing to do. Right. It's it's a lack of like intentional verbs. Right. It's it, everything exists right now in this like means to an end format. And I wish that the open world felt like an end in and of itself uh, outside of discovery. Torrent is a means for discovery and a means for exploration. Torrent is not an end. The feeling of moving through the world is not an end. Um, and like this game's going to have a ton I, of breath I, 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 do, I do. I guess I would push back a little bit in that. uh the the what torrent allows you to do that you cannot do in a previous souls game is like when i cross a when i cross the bridge to like to head to the south and uh in this game uh you do have a map but markers fill in as you encounter major landmarks and then you can find like map pieces that yes. like fill in a little bit more of the geography details yes. like what i have come to love and maybe this is something that is like less interesting as you get further into you know more regions of the game and and um I'm clear where where you fall on this as you've gotten much further past where I am but the ability to just ride through the entire space in which I so much of like souls games in the past is like I I cannot know what's around the corner until I fucking deal with those seven skeletons that have been wrecking my shit for the last 30 minutes and there's nothing i can do about that there is no shortcut there is no other way to like wrap my head around this space other than to deal with the challenge in front of me uh go past it and i have frequently found 
one of the most in, endearing parts of this world to be, I'm just going to hop on torrent and I'm just going to ride for like 20 minutes. I am just going to just billow through this like seemingly endless space and like, you know, gallop past, you know, 20 giants that suddenly want to kill me for no particular reason, picking up random items along the way and essentially like creating a mental map of the path I want to do going forward. Yeah, I'm not anti-torrent. Let me be really clear. But I think torrent feels bad. Like, like I'm out here being like I'm, I'm pro-torrent. Um, it's It's like... The Breath of the Wild comparisons this game is going to get are like very, it's going to get a ton of Breath of the Wild comparisons. Like it's it's the natural comparison to make. The game uses sightline-based like exploration, a mm. mix of sightline and map-based exploration. It uses the two in tandem with each other um, in ways that even I though, think- Even the markers you're putting down like on your map are like echoing, you know, yeah. similar visual language of Breath yeah. of the Wild. 100%. Um, and that's great. Um, but the difference is, and this is, like the, the struggle that I'm having is that every single thing in Breath of the Wild feels like a thing that you are doing and like a system into it, like into and of itself. The horse in Breath of the Wild feels better than Torrent ever does because the horses in Breath of the Wild are slower. They're just a little bit slower. They're a little bit harder to control. They have a cantering pace, right? You have to like go through the steps of motion with them. Well, so they have personality. Exactly. <laughs> right? They have personality. Torn is just a car that looks like a horse. Yeah, exactly. He's a car that looks like a horse and he moves exactly the same way that you do for the most part. He has a slightly wider turning radius, but when you point the stick in a direction, Torrent moves in, in the exact can, same way that you He do. can double jump so you can you have a little more leeway to awkwardly uh, go up the geometry of a space where you're trying to find whatever shiny object is up there. Yes. Torrent could be um, a pair of go fast boots and it wouldn't Tor- change anything. Exactly. And that's the struggle that I have with Elden Ring, because to truly translate what makes Souls games, to me, feel excellent into an open world setting with all of these additional systems is that that level of intentionality that goes into the game's combat, I feel like I should be able to engage with those other systems in that way. It shouldn't be a requirement because it's never been a requirement in a Souls game. You can always theoretically level level yourself up enough that you can just wreck a boss. Like, that is, in certain, like, the early parts of a Souls game, that is an option. You can get super fucking buff and kill a dude. I went to the Southern Isle um, that Patrick was talking about a little bit ago, um, like, 10 hours later than he did, and I rolled that place like it was fucking (laughs) nothing. There was a boss there who theoretically would have been a problem. I punched him with the script of God four times, and that motherfucker was down. He gone. Gone. And, like, that's always been an option in these games. But you still have to intentionally engage in those systems. And I just wish there were more intentional systems to engage with in this game. Because the potential here is fucking incredible. It is it is so good. And that is why I'm, I want to push it further and push criticism of it further. Is because, like... What FromSoft could do, what this development team could do with intentional design across everything, that idea is extremely fucking interesting to me. And I cannot help but see the echo of it in certain places in Elden Ring. Here's a question. Um, I feel like a lot of... The entire genre, in a lot of ways, uh, for the most part, ends up in places where... The open world involves a lot of 
traversal or things that feel just like transit, right? Mm -hmm. Like I am just like cruising across the map to where the interesting thing is going to happen, where the like really like um, breathtaking moment is going to hit. Yeah, the side quest, the side quest, the side quest is placed here, and I just need to get to the. They don't always. So I would say like that's one fork it's gone off in, right? Which is like we're going to seed the map with these little things and you wander around and like, Oh, I'm in the vicinity of like these three, these three icons. I will go fuck around with them. But even ones that are a little bit less, um, a little bit less like taking straight from the, from the Ubisoft model do still tend to end up in the space. And I sometimes wonder if it is also like whether the intent is perhaps to use traversal as a way of also controlling pacing. Um, and like intensity in terms of what is being asked of the player where like, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering like, because I'm sure we're going to get to this in a minute, Ren, some of the things you talked about, like for when you've sort of broken cover and come to a really delicately like authored moment or experience, the game is breathtaking. And I do wonder if the Valley a little bit of like, the world and just moving around it emphasizes the peak of those sequences. Like whether, like, like whether this was a design trade-off uh, rather than a uh, like miss on mm-hmm. like utilizing an open world. I think, I think the difficulty is that like the way that I would put it is that it's less that Elden Ring failed it's that they were bunting. Like, a thing that I tweeted recently was, like, Elden Ring feels like it's bunting 70% of the time. But the 30% of the time they swing, holy shit, are they fucking swinging. And, like, honestly, I wish that the valleys were even lower. Not in terms of, like, game quality, but in terms of, like, vibe. But the way you get those lower vibe valleys is that you intentionally build things that give that feeling, right? Because, like, part of the thing with Torrent right now Torrents fast. Torrents real quick. You can cut down a lot of traversal time, but it's hitting the fucking sprint button on that horse. And it makes it so that the world starts to feel a little bit less material to me. And like, that's my main struggle is that like, yes, there is a way in which traversal creates a kind of pacing that makes those harder moments hit harder. And like, I wish there was more of that. I wish that the contrast was bigger. Right. I wish that the difference in like, because like, you know, like you said, when mentioning map markers, you can play this game like a checklist game. You can do that. You have that power. Once you get the map, um, there are not icons placed for you. But the thing about Limgrave is that Limgrave is filled with broken pillars and broken pieces of like structure, right? And those broken pieces of structure usually don't have anything. But a way to determine if a broken piece of structure actually has something is if you open your map and look if the if the broken structure is portrayed in the map. Because the map is a <laughs> pictographic representation of the world. Yeah. And then suddenly, suddenly, if you see a mark on the map, it's like, okay, let me put a waypoint there. I'll go there. Great. That's a checklist game, but it's not surfacing it to you, right? The, the information isn't being surfaced in the same way, but you can still approach it through that like lens. And that's where yeah, my frustration I, 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 had a, I had a sequence when um, in the network test where 
uh, going along the beach in the opening area, um, uh, I, I was riding along with Torrent and I looked at my map and it was marked with, hey, there was, there's a cave back there. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about, game? <laughs> I didn't see no cave. And, uh, you know, the character had gotten close enough for the game to be like, marked on your map. And then I load it up, and then my discovery of that cave is not me discovering that cave. It's the game's, like, you know, area of effect radius saying, mm-hmm. like, that's close enough. Cool, we're going to put that there so that, you know, the cave of Beachdom or whatever the name is called, like, is a place you can go interact with. And it's a meaningful place to interact with yeah. um, um, as opposed to just a random set of a set of stones. And so, like, there is a tension there between the game's, like, natural sense of discovery and wanting to make sure or giving the player option to find things or not overlook things. Like, I think that's a real tension throughout this game that I think if you want to like take like a 30,000 view is this game in general. And I don't know how much this, this speaks to like the th- the choices they made in terms of what they do or didn't do in the open world and, in, and including more of that friction and systems that you spoke to, but the, the popularity of these games, the fact that Elden Ring is going to become one of the biggest selling games of this year, the fact that tens of millions of people are going to descend upon this game at the time that we, uh, you know, this this podcast goes out. Um, I don't think you can separate the, some of the decisions they're making from the audience that is now consuming them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it makes those choices interesting to me to then try and figure out, like, who who are these aimed at? How are they aiming at it because you know every time these games come out there's always a new discourse over uh difficulty and accessibility and those are all needed and worthy discussions and i think this these games could go so much further in what they do but i don't think you can you can make the argument that they aren't having a conversation with the audience as it broadens and i, I think all of that stuff intersects with the kinds of things you're talking about down to the to, to how they the fact that there's a map at all yeah i also think that like you know, part of that moment that you're describing is going down the beach and having an icon appear, right? The moment that's interesting for me is like the ways in which torrent is so fast or you can move, you can traverse through the world so quickly, you don't notice shit. Because like- Yeah, I wouldn't have missed that cave if I was walking. But I do miss the cave because I'm- Or you wouldn't miss that wave if you're like cantering, right? If there is like degrees of speed that like encourage exploration. Because right now, torrent's speed encourages- traversal but not exploration and those are like two slightly different concepts to me that are like interrelated that like gesture at something about this game one thing i am interested though you mentioned like accessibility and like the ease of you know a given from soft game right patrick you can tell me if you think i'm wrong here i think that elden ring is on the surface more difficult, like the bosses are like on average a little bit more difficult in like, we're talking about main bosses. The little yeah, bosses yes, I, in yeah, the yeah. side areas, significantly less difficult. But FromSoft has done the interesting thing of giving players way, way more fucking tools to tip the scales in their direction during fights, including like changing your build. It's always been an option, right? Um, but also like, the the ashes, the spirits you can summon, not in terms of like other players to cooperate with, but the ashes are like an essential tool in this game that and work can in conjunction things. with the summons, right? Like, is right. that a a hey? Would you like to have these three a badass wolves wreck shop while you uh, pelt the the boss from a distance with your a blue <laughs> blue f- or <laughs> magic uh, th- that I do constantly? But you can you can do both. You can you can. 
you can have instances where you have four, five, six entities all ganging up on the same, you know, <laughs> struggling boss at the bottom of a cave. Um, if if you want to go in that direction, none of it's required, but they mm-hmm. they give you the options. And we were having the discussion on the stream of like, uh, you know, do you or do you not summon an NPC character when you face like a major boss? Like, is it personally you feel you should do obviously you should do whatever you want, but like, do, you know, how often do you uh, uh, endeavor towards going in that direction? And then do we look at the summons, the spirit summons, these like little, uh, you know, the the the, the three wolves, like uh, the noble sorcerer, uh, like the, the old guy with a wand, like these different ones you pick up as you go through the game. Uh, did you get the jellyfish? I did get the jellyfish. Yeah, jellyfish. I don't know jellyfish how useful lives. that jellyfish is, but delightful little do jellyfish. You like, Patrick, do you like status builds? Patrick, do you like do you like status builds? Not, it's not usually my thing, but I'm trying different things this time. I really want to play differently, at Elden Ring. So maybe that jellyfish has guaranteed poison on like on like anything. That jellyfish has a Hell poison yeah. shot. It's very it's very good at poison. I, I need guys. to. I'm going to upgrade that jellyfish when I have the resources to do it's so. Also but really tanky. It's also really tanky, so you can like that's the other like and like that's the key thing about like one of the ways in which the game has become easier is that like yeah. you can summon a guy who's really tanky and the boss is going to focus on them and you can stand 35 <laughs> your feet big away. your boy that you have. I have a in big your boy. I have can a you big please boy. talk about your big boy? I have a big boy who I got from killing a god. <laughs> I, I may or may not have challenged an ancestral deity to a bit of a, a bit of a lark, a bit of a fun fight. Um, <laughs> and I did win that combat uh, and the ancestral deity was like, do you want one of my cool guys that you've been fighting for the last like four hours? And I was like, I would love one of your cool guys that I've been fighting for the last four hours. Look, these motherfuckers have the biggest goddamn bow that I've ever fucking seen. Like we are talking like on the level of like the Anne Orlando, like Black Knight archers who are like just like. <laughs> yeah, who are just like fucking like you're gone constantly if like one of them sees you. Right. And so he spent like five hours in this fucking area getting one or two shot by these goddamn snipers. And then you fucking fight the boss and he's like, you have one of my guys now. I will give you one of my guys. In my heart, in my heart of hearts, it is the boss like being like, I'm going to come with you now. Like this is the form with which I am joining you. The truest form of respect is to join your journey. (laughs) Yes. And like that's that. That section whips because like it's all about learning how to hunt in this game and like how to like break down and stalk through an environment. So this ancestral deity being like, all right, I'm now going to take the form of one of these hunters and join you on your journey now that you've proven to me that you know how to hunt is like that's the narrativization that I'm talking about. That is like fucking incredible. That is like from soft firing on all cylinders and firing on new cylinders. Like that's the good shit where it's like they are understanding how level design and like combat design can be used as a tool for narrative in a way that like they've done it a little bit before, but this is an entirely new level that I fucking adore. But I have this big man. I have this big fucking man and he's got this big, he's so so big. big. He's 1.5 times my height and I'm a tall lady. (laughs) I am a tall lady in this video game. Zaha is a very like, she's a buff tall lady but this motherfucker is so much taller than her and his bow is so big. And what he does, what my man does is I get in the fight and I'm chopping it up and he is standing like 45 feet away with his big old bow and just being like, bop, 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 doing 
significant damage. And the best part is I also have the bow that he uses. And so there's one area I was going through Castle Morn, the like the southern isle of Morn. I'm going through this castle, right? And there are these guys in the distance, right? And this like they're standing around a pyre. And me and my guys, it's a it's a guy summonable area. So I call my guy, and my guy shows up, and he and I just stand there with our bows, and I fucking aggro enemies, and then he finishes them off. And that <laughs> felt so fucking good to just be like with my boy aggroing enemies while he finished them off. I love my big man. And my big man is like essential for handling most boss fights because like Patrick, would you say that you're squishier in this game than previous, like, FromSoft games other than Sekiro? I think you were, I feel significantly squishier than I did in Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, or even Bloodborne. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of why I had, like, <laughs> like an existential crisis, like, when I was trying to fight these. I was like, do I just suck at this stuff now? Like, uh, I have found myself up, up against a wall in a way in this game more frequently mm-hmm. again not in the open world not even the small dungeons but like when the big moments arrive i feel like the game is more willing to pancake you in, in a way <laughs> that i just am not fully ready for um because you need you do need to the game is essentially asking look if you want to do this by yourself like god you know god willing you know like you can do what you good want but luck. go ahead good fucking guys. luck and like we want you to engage with these systems yeah. because they're fun and they're interesting and you should consider them part of your build. And it makes what uh, is an interesting contrast to, you know, even summoning, you know, a player characters into the world. You don't know what you're getting, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't like make a request into the world. Like I would like X character frequently when I, you know, when I would dabble in, in the requesting of help, like this dipshit's not going to help me. Like this is terrible. Like can we just kind of send you away you and bring, bring someone back in? And what what's, so fascinating about the the spirit summons is well one there's the layer that you like you 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 mentioned briefly which is that you cannot summon them all the time you yeah. need to be there are certain uh, statues in the world that you don't need to be aware of but they are physically there because there there is a UI indicator in the corner that's like a little stone tablet mm-hmm. goes off it's like hey you can summon your buddies now um and that becomes like a part of like the canon of how you think your character like acts and role plays in the world, but then also functionally, uh, like you can make specific requests of your characters. And so I think the way that like both plays into the narrative, like what you think your character, how they exist in the world, how they, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think your character is maybe slowly falling in love with this God, the way that you talk about them. Like, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I do see a world where this could be a a relationship. Um, um, The way that you are back to back, you know, uh, arrowing the foes as they as they come down to you in this increasing bit of hell. But that those that new wrinkle that I think especially is in some ways almost poking at the the traditional Souls player and their ego of I'm here, I'm going to do it alone. It's me, like I'm the hero, like mm-hmm. I, I'm. And and this is not all players. I think a lot. I, I'm so curious to see what the stat breakdown is, like how many people summon versus not summon, and like that versus like the traditional narrative of like mm-hmm. how we talk about these games. But in the, in, in Elden ring, like they really press you to like, no, actually like introducing mobs and using that in against these major enemy types in having help working cooperatively, even if they are spirits, you're summoning from some dark realm and then dismissing them. Uh, that's a major part of the act of play. 
in this. And it would seem like a minor thing, but I actually think it's like a pretty major shift in the in how how you uh, move and act moment to moment in this game. Well, I think the other thing is that like you mentioned, like tailoring your little guys to your build. Um, The early part of the game, I was using claws and using a bleed based build. I still do. Right. At my right now, I'm using a dex in a dex faith build that, and I'm, you know, adding int in here or there. Um, but my goal is to like basically use bleed for the entire early part of the game while I was getting my faith up to use a particular set of weapons. And I summoned these little imps who also do bleed damage. I'm so mad that I ha- I didn't realize that that was yeah. You know, th- th- these games give you always give you a set of items you can pick at the beginning. Most of them are just items in the world that you could just go buy at a shop. And then there's always like a couple that are either unique or you're getting seeded them early before you could find them. I don't know if you can find these little imps, but you can, well, you can fight them and you can be deeply annoyed at at fighting them, but having them on your side, I'm I'm jealous. I'm I'm not jealous enough to start 10 hours over, but I I do want a wiki to come out that tells me where to find them. (laughs) They are little guys and they just hit a bunch of times and they just stack bleed. And when I'm stacking bleed with my claws and my little guys are stacking bleed with their little knives that they wiggle around like this, um, (laughs) it's fucking incredible. Like the first boss, like the first major boss of this game with my little guys and me all using bleed damage, we fucking shredded him. We just absolutely... absolutely (laughs) devastated the first like great lord or whatever Mm -hmm. by just like cutting his shit up and like (laughs) it's great it's stellar it feels good and like that narrativization layer is such a big part of why i'm loving this game and like why in spite of everything right i write this whole thing that is like a bit critical of elden ring right that's my my review is probably one of the more critical ones that exists but like In spite of that, I fucking love it. Like, it is... I have never felt this much of a connection with a player character in a FromSoft game before. I know exactly who Zahra is, and, like, that fucking owns. And, like, I don't know. For all of my misgivings and, like, belief that Elden Ring could have been better and has a lot of untapped potential, I think that they've made something really fucking incredible. Um... And that will only continue to probably become more incredible as I play through it, right? As you like learn the intricacies of how to explore this particular world, you know, realizing early on after talking to a friend that sightline design was not going to get me, not going to help me find everything, and that I can use the map basically to like act as a treasure map and be like, okay, cool, there's a mark on this map. I don't see anything. All my sightlines are like fucked up right now, right? But I can see this particular topographical feature that has been represented on this map that means something and this so little forest there's why is there just this tiny little forest why are they even just mark that on the map like what? So there's got to be a little there's got to yeah. be something over in that tiny little yes. forest or like not even just like a forest like why is this one graveyard drawn on this map and no other graveyards are yeah. there? and yeah. it's like oh i go there and there's a thing there and it's like okay cool realizing that has seriously helped my experience of the game because for the first like 15 hours like i was relying exclusively on like what i can see and i missed a ton of shit that was like a huge bummer for me um when talking to like other journalists and like now that i've understood how to play it my relationship with the game is improving as it goes on and i'm like finding cooler shit like i was just like after we finished the stream today i like took like 10 minutes 
and I beat that fucking boss that I was stuck on before the stream that I was showing to Patrick and Cotto. Yeah, well, the one where you introduced it to the to the boy. To the boy. Mm-hmm. Um, we took down that boss, and then I left that area and stumbled into this extremely cool place and a quest line that I thought I had screwed myself out of. And, like, that's really exciting, is the fact that, like, not exciting, but, like, that is a good sign to me, is that all of these NPCs that I thought I missed, I thought I had completely, like, I thought I'd killed a major NPC and screwed myself out of a quest line by going to it in the wrong order. And instead, the quest still let me do it. And, like, I think that they have definitely made Elden Ring a bit more forgiving about order of operations. Um, <laughs> you kind of have to, given the, I mean, the like, structure the, of it, yeah. This, this, well, just the structure, the, the, the sheer scale of it, right? Like, yeah. even, you know, the, those games on a baseline are, you know, 25, 30 hour games, you know, on your first run through. Like, this game is multiple times over that. Plus, it lacks a lot of the linearity mm-hmm. that they were able to kind of control um, the player's direction. I mean, there's some of that here, but they give up a lot of it in service of openness. And so it's interesting to hear that they, also modified the with whatever this game's version, you know, what these games, what they call quests. Yeah. Um, it seems a little bit gentler with a player, which I actually really appreciate. Um, I'm still, I still feel iffy about certain design choices that did exist in games like Sakura too. Um, specifically the choice to like, let you buy notes, um, let you like buy notes from NPCs that are like, Hey, there's shit over here. Which is like, that's super useful to have a note that's like, hey, there's shit over here. I just wish that it was like communicated in a more interesting way uh, or a more it's, it's like way. Their, it's like their concession to a quest log. Exactly. Uh, with Without actually finding. Because I think what's so interesting about Sekiro and, and Elden Ring is that uh, I think I think there was there was a conversation when Sekiro came out. I remember talking about this with Austin. It was like, oh, shit, they added a map. Oh man, is this like are they fucking up? They added a map. It's just like a weird concession to people who just want a map in these games. And found a really interesting way to do a map that felt like it maintained the integrity of the game mm-hmm. and, and their design goals. And it just felt like a from software map. Like, oh, didn't know I needed this, and now I'd be fine if it was in all their games. And I appreciate that like those notes are a version of do you need I think for some players, a lack of direction is paralyzing. I've I've seen mm-hmm. this like mentioned by some folks who have played the game that aren't already fans of Souls games that are either playing this out of a obligation or just like interest in what is clearly going to be one of the biggest games of the year. And I think for us, like people who are used to it, like the amount of direction provided here is a lot more than what you can you know you you can usually get in in a Souls game. But it's also like pretty pretty open on like whatever the hell you want to do. And so I think for some people that means, I guess I'll just follow this grace, which means you're probably going to get to that first main boss way too fucking fast and not, and not be prepared to it. Cause you basically get to the first major boss in, I don't know, 90 minutes if you, if you yeah. wanted to and not be at all ready for it. And so those notes are an interesting concession to give players things to do, but there is probably a more, I don't know from software and you know, like way to do it. That is more like what they accomplished with the map. And I think this is a pretty, I don't know. It almost feels like in play testing, there was a note that said players aren't discovering enough stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll put in, uh, you know, these things that you can buy from the vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is why I'm like, I, I'm coming away from Elden Ring, loving it, but being slightly critical is because like the potential is so clearly there. And like, you know, I think it's very easy to like read me as being a lot more negative than most people, but like, I'm so fucking excited. I am so fucking excited for the next thing they do that is like refining on these schools of design, right? Like the fact that like they are currently working on a new armored core game that will probably have some Souls-like mechanics. That shit is extremely interesting to me because you know what Armored Core is going to have that a Souls game does not have? Is intentional engagement with systems that aren't combat. You will have to be specking out your mech, right? That is going to have to be a major point of like, a major system in the game will have to be specking out your mech very intentionally and like treating a mech like a mech, right? And that shit is really exciting to me, especially after seeing what they can do when they're swinging. Um, what if you? What if you were torrent? Is what is what you're saying? What if you were? What if you were? Tor- what if you were torrent and also you were slower? <laughs> what if you were? St- what, what if you were torrent? Well, what if I if I attach these rocket boosters to my robot, then I can be as fast as I want to be. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this is what I'm saying. Don't slow me down, let me, Ren. Let me customize my horse. <laughs> Let me let me let me put Slap some new legs horse. on that baby. <laughs> let me. I would, yeah, let me imagine like yeah, to be to torrent. Sure, you could change. A little it. could have gone a long way with torrent, probably. Like yeah. If, yeah. if if just a tiny bit of customization and I don't know, but not specking maybe, but like mm-hmm. just anything to like make the player feel like it was was theirs. I think I think could have gone a long way towards towards that that the lack f- that you're describing. Speaking of alterations. For the fashion souls lovers out there, for those of you who love fashion souls and the depths of your heart and the core of your being, a thing I just stumbled upon in game that is extremely exciting to little Renata is there are altered versions of various clothing pieces that add and remove different aspects of the armor. It's exactly the same stat-wise, but like... Right now, I'm wearing the shit. I'm wearing the confessor's outfit, and like, I can get it without the hood. I can get it without the cape, and you can alter those clothing mm. items just enough mm. that like the fashion soul's potential feels like it has expanded exponentially by your. Well, it's actually them like tipping a hat to something that is a byproduct of their design, but is not something. I don't think fashion souls was was something that you know they conceived of it was more just people that's what they did as with Mm -hmm. the 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 game and the world and the the art that they made and so for here for them to acknowledge hey people would like to take this a little bit further i think is i think is exceptionally cool yeah there's seamsters there's there are seamstresses in this game there's there's like a little guy will be like i'll i'll be your seamster and then you can fucking you can customize clothing and that is so cool i love that um Coming soon to Armored Core colorways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Get rid, get um, my anime livery for my giant mech. Oh my god! Ren just zoomed the camera in on herself in a way we can <laughs> activate phrase has been spoken. Yeah. Um, I'm also looking forward to it. It sounds like Ren though is also dangerously close to taking up Red Dead Redemption just to be a horse girl. In, <laughs> in Red Dead 2. Because the horses do feel good in that, in that One. game. Fuck you. <laughs> first of all, my first, my first, I have, I've got three points of response. First of all, fuck you. Point number two. It would be a better horse. Point number three. 
<laughs> there is a thing in Red Dead that I know exists because I've been told about it that I wish to God was in Elden Ring, where apparently in, in, in Red Dead 2, you can sit at a fire and cut X's into your bullets to mm-hmm. make them do just slightly more damage. And fucking hell do I wish there was shit like that in Elden Ring. Wait, but you're like, already crafting your little arrows out of your thin bones. I'm crafting my little arrows by pressing a button in a mm. menu. I don't get the f- I don't get to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to like, I want the animation. This is this is why I'm broken. I want like just a little bit more. I want the feeling of being like, okay, I want it to be in like a process. Right now I go kill the little guys and I hit the button in the menu. I just want one more step. Just let me press a button where it's like. Or what if right. you could like? What if you could like queue up actions that were always meant to occur when you sit down at a bonfire? Like, look, the, the arrows are part of my build. Like, I just want arrows to be built when I sit down at a bonfire and I'm interfacing with the other menus, and you can just see your character yes. doing that. I mean, you'll get the UI thing. It's just like we built you 20 arrows. You could leave yes. right now, but you could sit and yes. watch an idle animation while you're fucking with your stuff. Yes, and like that's the shit that I really want. Is because like right now my fundamental problem with like shit like the round table hold which is the game's hub area is that it doesn't provide a sense of place or the the sense of place is limited there are moments of great like placeness in elden ring right when i go to um this yofra river that sense of placeness is incredible and powerful and immediate when you're traveling through well-designed parts of limgrave or liarnia or Kalid, there is a sense of place there that is like powerful and like good. But I wish that 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 feeling was more material and that the game felt more material. Um, Because the combat, the Souls combat has always felt material. It's always felt animation driven. It feels like it's two bodies doing a thing. Which is why I want those bodies to do more than just hurt each other. I want to see them I want to see the intimacy of a Souls game in more than just a conversation with an NPC. That's really what I want. You want more hugs? Want more NPCs? I want more NPCs that cuddle. Because there is a cuddler. There's a cuddler option mm-hmm. with just one NPC. But you can cuddle with her. They, they, do, they do tell you, come back as often as you'd like. And so you can <laughs> cuddle as often as you like. Rob, you look, you look so... I don't know how to describe the look on Rob's face when we said there was an NPC you could cuddle with. <laughs> it's one of it's what it's one of the longest animations I have witnessed in a video. Like the it's first time I enabled it, like, it's like, did I make did I make a mistake? Did I like not hit the? Oh no, we're, we're just we're getting ready for the cuddle. Um, and then thirty to forty five seconds cuddle. later, the cuddle is finished, and you have a a temp buff that you can apply in your in your inventory. The cuddle is long, right? The cuddle itself is long, but the important part to note is that the animation is not just the cuddle. It is your character as slowly as physically possible. The amount of muscle control it requires to bend down that slowly is astounding. If you were doing motions like that in a gym, people would be like, "Wow, look at her mobility. Oh my god." Like the glacial pace with which you bend down and let this woman cuddle you is (laughs) fucking astounding. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I love it so much. 
Was it motion captured or was it hand animated? That shit How? is so hand animated because a human <laughs> being cannot move that slowly. We don't Miyazaki, have the technology. Miyazaki got fed up. He was like, I keep asking people to to kneel slower. And okay, fine. We're just going to get an animator on it. Oh, it's um, so good. All right. Well, I think uh, we'll leave the discussion off there. Um Kato, I noticed you were you were so silent during the conversation. You love you love Souls games. <laughs> I'm just curious. Like, wow, Kato is turning into an Elden Ring NPC as we speak. Have <laughs> <sighs> you found Seek my code? Ye tarnished. <laughs> seek the Elden Code, ye tarnished. Seek the seek the Patrick email to the PR person. <laughs> Uh, God, Seek yeah, the day one patch, ye tarnished. <laughs> some pe- some people who may have worked with this website seem like they went to illicit New York City uh, uh, <laughs> places in order to. Uh, oh, are we back to Breaking coffee. Street? Uh, oh yeah, okay. they never stop. I love mm-hmm. it. the The place I know the place. I know where the place. Yeah, is. I don't want to blow up their spot. I'm not going to blow up their spot. But I know where the place is. I know they do not ever. They don't yeah, ever wait, got a place. There's a yeah. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> Thank you, Kato. I'd like to know about this place. Listen, I'm a lifelong learner, and I'm always saying this. You're gonna learn something new about a place in New York. Um, I love learning about places in New York. All right. Well, we yeah. will we will pass that secret knowledge uh, internally during the break, and when we get back, we'll talk about some other games uh, folks have been yeah. playing and figuring out how Kato's been drowning in sorrows. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, Kato. <laughs> Are we in it now? Yes. Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Hey, Kato, you want to you take part in this podcast now? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. So, <laughs> I was watching you and Natalie stream the other day. Yeah. And okay, I have to know what is the what is the thing you you you're not you you oh. didn't take up smoking halfling I, I pipes, took, right? I took, no, it's a it's just pocky. I took a bite. I had oh, some pocky okay. on my desk and decided oh, to take a bite a at the wrong time. Yeah, a little chocolate okay. cracker thingy, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I was I was watching you Natalie streaming Destiny the other day, and um, I was getting a pretty Soulsy vibe from it <laughs> uh, in terms of like the way that world looked. Yeah, um, yeah. You were using a you were using a bow and arrow. Um, yes. Everything was like red and gothic and like kind of <laughs> fucked up. And I was like, they're that, basically that right there, the same. That's game. a that's a Souls game. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, the Witch Queen dropped 
the new DLC from Destiny 2, Witch Queen, dropped, and I've been having a uh, a real great time with it. Um, really enjoying the new space that they've created. Lots of great uh, uh, enemy and uh, environmental design in this so far. And um, a lot of new mechanics uh, that have been uh, really interesting. The big uh, One of the biggest ones feels like... Well, there's a, there's a couple of big ones. One of them is that they've added weapon crafting into the game, uh, which has fully fucked me up because I didn't used to care about uh, weapons that much. I would find a gun that felt good and then kind of not really do the whole thing of like repeated uh, uh, activities to hunt for a specific role on that gun. Usually if it was good enough, I'd roll with it, you know? Um but now they've added a new system where you can, through using certain guns that uh, drop, that you can attune to, you get materials. And once you get those materials, you can start getting the frames for these weapons. You craft them and you pick out every perk that's on there. And then after you use that one that you've made once, you can re reshape it. You can reforge it uh, after you've like used it enough to level it up and change those perks again. You get enhanced perks as you go along. Um, it's it it is how I'm going to start caring about trying to get a like quote unquote god roll. Like there's always like people math out the specific like these perks with this archetype is gonna be like the perfect thing, right? Um, and before the only way to attain that was run the activity where that specific thing drops r- until you get the right drop from it right it's all random chance and it's almost never like you're only ever gonna get that one gun from there anyway so it's like a rng on top of rng do you get the gun and is the gun's role the one that you're looking for now they've added this system where it's a long-term thing where you can build towards a specific gun weapon that you want and um i've been having a lot of fun with it in this and i'm only like halfway through the campaign so far second big Oh, do you have a question? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, first of all, like, are you going to get like C and D by Soros or something like that? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, this is this is a world where there's established gun manufacturers with like, established aesthetics. And those uh, does those... homebrew weaponry have like a kit like aesthetic that's different, or is it just like, oh, you just fabbed a Soros gun? No, you fabbed a Soros gun. It even has the specific Soros pork on it. Like, um, there they've actually made um a few changes where, uh more of the 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 guns have mostly been kind of aesthetically different and generally archetypically different between the the like different gun manufacturers that exist in the world this time there's like a set perk that you can see like this is the Suros perk the Suros perk is if you reload it's called compulsive reloader if you reload when you're in the top top half of the mag you get a bonus to handling and damage uh, which is a thing that i love because i am that's me i shoot two shots reloader. i kill i kill one person reload immediately and then kill the next um uh i forget what omelons is omelons is uh something about reload speeds when you've emptied the mag i believe but there's the yeah they've they've taken um those foundries which like existed in since like destiny 2 like started and like really made like kind of more uh specific um identities uh gun like weapon identities around them 
And yeah, like you're making, when you're crafting those guns, you still are crafting that specific type of weapon. Like it's still a Suros gun. You're just like, yeah, it's like it's, you downloaded the Suros blueprint and are 3D printing it yourself, or so, uh, which is great. Um, but there goes destiny laying intellectual groundwork <laughs> yeah. uh, for the direction the world is going. So we didn't. We're not selling you a thing we built. We are going to let you pay for us to like let you print out a kit yeah. at your house. Did you hear that they uh, broke street date on the new Suros weapon? <laughs> Connor knows a place where yeah, you can I break street date on, get the, on the new Suros. Yeah, yeah. immediately. You wouldn't um, download a gun. No way you would. No, yeah, fuck, actually. they did. Oh no. Um, second, and big... that's where the revolution begins. <laughs> The second big mechanical introduction into this DLC is um, they've reworked uh, Void. So back in, uh, shit, was it a year? Over a year ago, um, 2020, when Beyond Light dropped, they introduced Stasis, the ice element, and that subclass had a new kind of format to it where you could pick different uh, perks and it was more um, you know mix and match builds where... Uh, in Destiny 2 originally, you had like a choice between three kind of packages of perks, but you couldn't, you know, choose between the individual perks for your subclass. Now they've extended that design to uh, Void. They're going to move through the other uh, subclasses going forward. Um, but the new builds that they've made are really, really fun. They're um, really synergistic in ways that the old ones didn't feel often uh, very synergistic and it feels like I'm I've made choices that have allowed for some ridiculous uh like grenade cool like I'm I'm throwing grenades like crazy in a way that I didn't before uh and that dovetails really nicely with the new campaign difficulty uh normally in these uh DLCs campaigns are just like they are the power level that they are, and you either go in at level or under level, then that's how you're going to do it. Uh, this one, um, first, they they raise the floor. Everyone's the same that, that what was the old max last season, so everyone's starting from the same base point. But now they have a legendary version, which uh, does two things. First, it adds a couple more modifiers to the enemy, so like things like match game, which is a nightfall modifier, where you have to match exact element to exact element shields to do the most damage, things like that that make it a little more uh, difficult to move through. And like those things are turned on, but it also caps your power level uh, to 20 below whatever the enemies are, uh, which essentially puts it at uh, what is called contest mode for the raids. If you do a raid on day one, you're 20 below whatever the the actual enemies are, which means things like red bar enemies, like the kind of chaff of the, the enemy pool. Uh, in, like, the open world or in, like, normal contents where you're at the same level, usually take no more than one or two shots, and, like, they're not that uh, intimidating. In this, like, it's going to take four or five, which in a action game and like in a quick action game where a lot of these enemies are swarming you really makes a huge difference um and this is where those builds where you can use your abilities a lot more often is really important because those do much more damage than one or two gunshots so 
it feels like the legendary mode is really kind of bringing out the need to kind of really consider how you're building out your uh, your grenade and melee cooldowns and what ability choices you're making for your subclasses. And that's been really, really fun. It feels like things that I used to only consider when I was day one raiding are now like, no, this is something that you, if you want to engage with something on this level, like if you want to go into legendary, it's here for you from through the campaign all the way through, right? Um, it was a sort of kind of challenge that only really existed in one or two places near the end game. Um, uh, Ren. Yeah. I just had a question. Um, does that affect the drops you get? It does. Uh, yeah. So does it make them... So I guess my question is, Do does Legendary, do you get better drops, one? Yeah. You get better okay. and more. You get more better drops. And more. Uh, so you're is, kind of leveling faster, even. Got it. Is the, I was going to say, is the light level on legendary drops is that scaled to the cap or is that scaled to your actual light level to your actual so yeah your to drops your don't get affected like your you, the cap is just like what you're doing in the in the in damage incoming and outgoing mm-hmm. like that's all that it's affecting as far as your drops go like you're getting drops the way that you would normally as far as the light levels like mm-hmm. and so you're um it's 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 kind of you know it is essentially made for people who are interested in in raiding on day one because you're gonna rip through those lower levels a lot faster and then start mm-hmm. working on like past the 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 powerful cap the way that destiny works is that there's tiers of uh different tiers of uh uh drops where the levels start getting harder and harder to build once you get higher mm-hmm. but uh, yeah um you get a lot more of those and you also get more of the upgrade material so normally when you play a new destiny thing day one you're getting blues that are 10 above whatever you're wearing that's just how their systems work uh up to a certain level blues and purples uh rares and uh, legendaries uh all drop at plus 10 of whatever your current max uh light level Mm -hmm. is um and normally i would just run through the campaign by swapping onto whatever blues I'm getting, right? Until I hit the the cap where blues stop stop growing light level and you have to focus on legendary drops only. Right. This time, because le- I'm doing legendary, because legendary is difficult and because legendary requires you to think about what your build is like, like a lot more than the regular campaign ever did, uh, they're also giving the the upgrade material that allows you to infuse that light level into your old stuff. So I'm carrying forward a lot of my armor and stuff just out of necessity. Like I need to have that armor because that armor has these specific mods that I've already put in that. Like I have, the build is not just the subclass and the guns, but also like the, the perks that you're putting into your armor. Um, so it, it feels like custom builds like, yeah, you're getting more drops, you're leveling faster, and you're getting more of this this upgrade material so that you can continue to build with legendaries instead of swapping through the blues that you're getting kind of to to rush through the campaign. So so you're telling me that they added a mode to the video game that's like, do you want to be playing a better video game? <laughs> a bit, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, it's, it's a good option to have because some people don't care they want to shoot the gun that feel good and all the Mm -hmm. guns even without building stuff generally do feel good when you're at level with the enemies uh it feels fucking great to shoot guns in destiny i can understand uh absolutely people a lot of people will engage with it that way but 
if you're interested in engaging with the other abilities and stuff in a, a kind of more considered way, there's legendary mode for you. And that is for me. Uh, and a lot of um, people that are probably going to be raiding day one are doing that as well. Um, this sounds really good. It's this fun. It's really fun. Kato, this sounds really good. <laughs> it's really neat. And like visually, I think they're, 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 they've always been very good at kind of uh, environmental design, but there's some really stunning uh, places and locations in this one. Um, you're going into Savathun's throne world. And she's stolen, she's stolen the light, um, which is interesting. And like, I'll drop a small story spoiler here because I think it's particularly interesting. One of the things they never mentioned is how. And you think how is going to be a big deal. Uh, you learn after the, set, the first mission, she just convinced a bunch of ghosts. So the way the ghosts that leave the Traveler... They, they, they leave the traveler and they're looking for their guardian, right? They're searching amongst the dead bodies to find the one person who is their guardian that they will resurrect to become the way that all guardians were resurrected. She got into a bunch of wandering ghosts and were like, hey, actually, why don't you come over here and uh, your guardians are hive. I swear this is real. I swear this is the traveler telling, not me, not Savathun. The traveler's like, he wants you to resurrect. Your guardians are going to be hive people. And a bunch of ghosts just were like, yeah, seems seems legit, and like went over and def- so seven convinced them or tricked them. That's the part. That's the why we're not sure of. There is, okay. however, one NPC that you meet that is flipping back the other way. He went over and is now an NPC that we talked to and are trying to like. Uh, at least at first, I, I don't trust him. I think it's a. I think it's a, a double trick. I think he's he's tricking us again by this being like, oh, I'm off. coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there is like an imp- so like and that is fun. That is really fun because like oftentimes, you know, there's a thing I've been harping on about Destiny since time immemorial, uh the the sort of uh uh you know stakes of who uh like who you're fighting against are always kind of like uh the zero like zero sum game like it's just always like you're always the good guys they're always the bad guys there's no like question about motivations between people and stuff like that it's just like you're the you're the light they're the darkness blah um and this one has is not that it is not that in a way that i'm more interested in uh the like uh the ways these npcs are kind of uh, maneuvering in this space than i ever have in destiny and uh that's fucking great (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been enjoying it a a whole lot. Um, I'm not through the campaign yet because Legendary is pretty fucking difficult. Uh, if y'all watched us stream, I think we did the first three missions. I believe there's something like, I'm not actually sure. I'm not even going to say a number because I'm not sure how many there are ultimately. Um, but I've also heard that even post campaign, there's just a shit ton to do. So. I will report back when I'm further in, but so far, super strong first impression out of out of the Witch Queen for sure. Can you replay those missions? I think, in theory, yes. I don't know <clears throat> how now. I think maybe once you finish them, they appear somewhere as a replayable. I've heard them. They have said if you go through once on normal, but want to do with them on legendary after the fact, you 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 will be able to do that. So. Currently, my map is only populated with the new stuff. 
Are they still doing that thing? Because this is how long it's been since I played it. The way you would access old content was like you would go to, I want to say like a vendor would be like, and here's some old missions uh, that you can get. And it was kind of like, because they're kind of, they felt so pulled out of context that like the narrative flow, the story felt completely broken. Even mm, setting right. aside the fact that like when you return to the hub areas now, it's always up to date for what the present is, the end of the campaign. Right. Um, but like, is that still basically like how you access these things is you're like, where's the, where is the old playlist for the story? Um, no, they, they so they, yeah, they used to have a, a story playlist. Like literally it was just mm-hmm. like a, here's a random, uh, story mission, but that got, they got rid of that. And right now it, I'm not exactly sure how you get back to the old missions because I haven't gone through it once. I think you have to yeah. get through it all the way to the end to see but they've said there's a way to go back to those. And I think, I believe it's it's a way where you can just pick specific missions um, and go through them. Uh, not like a random hopper, you know. The reason I was curious is because I've never really meshed with the act- the activities in Destiny. Like, going Me to a place either. and... They seem kind <laughs> of bad. And if I could, like, play Destiny in a way that let me, like, level... By just like playing missions that were like intentionally designed yeah. and feel good. Yes. That'd be that would be of interest to little old Renata. Um yeah, I'll check back in to see how far I get. Here's the because here's the thing. There's there's there are locks at a certain point where, like I would say right now, blues are still being are still useful for leveling up. But at a certain point that stops. And I don't know once that is how hard the breaks are on those campaign missions at least at first though it does feel like you're you're good you're gonna be sailing through a bunch of levels just by playing the campaign especially if you're playing on legendary um i think even if there is um there's a certain uh point after which you don't even if you're never gonna play the sort of uh, repeatable content that comes back every week, the strikes and st- stuff. You can also just stop playing the game at that point. But I, from what I've heard is like, there's still a lot of campaign and stuff to do if you don't want to mm. do the repeatable thing, you know? I've always liked strikes. It's just the like, it's like the rote activities, the shit where it's like, go to this point on the map and fight these like 15 dudes with like six of your best friends who I, you I just done, met. And yeah, one the of patrol, their names the is a slur. Uh, um, I haven't done the patrol mission in like years, I think. Oh, and, thank God. Because yeah. like that was my least favorite there part. Are, about there are moments missions. where they're like, yeah, go do like two patrols. And it's like, ah, fine. But like it's not a regular part of the like okay. of the of the kind of um uh weekly structure even. The weekly repeatable missions are all much more designed experiences. Um and even the 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 one for this first week was uh, even by those those standards, a little more uh, involved mechanically than I than they normally are. So that was neat. Um. Uh. Yeah. It's. I I feel like I say this every fucking time, but it's the best destiny has been. <laughs> um. It, it, I think the 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 difference here is that I feel like I could. Barring the the issues of like you're just jumping into the deep end as far as story goes, the way that it's structured feels more like a regular video game where like if someone were to open the game and just go through the story, it wouldn't be 
you wouldn't be completely lost where I feel like other expansions haven't done that very well. Um, people can get lost very easily amongst the like lists of different activities and different uh, playlists and all that, which queen focuses down on the campaign. It lets you, you know, it lets you pick your difficulty and level of engagement that you want out of the campaign. And that has been very, very good. Uh, I would say people you to destiny treadmill, could play though, right? this. Huh? Like, it, like you gotta get on the treadmill at some point. It's like you have. There, to, like, there will the be game... a point after the campaign where you've hit the end of content that is like. I, I, right. I guess what I mean is like Destiny, like as a product, is just disinterested in onboarding. Right? Like with people, yes, you know, yes. like as an outsider, people, you know, I think of this sometimes, like idly, like ah, I, lo- I look at all my friends, like I liked Destiny a couple of times over the years. Like I'd love to see this stuff too. This but is a good it's just one not to interested. do. Yeah, and I'm, I still yeah. might I still might download and play the campaign, right? But yeah. it it is the sort of thing where I don't know that there's like it's good that this is a good entry, but at some point there's not a great entry because Destiny Two is just like we're just moving. Sorry, like you can get on, yeah. go watch some lore videos, catch up. You can't play that old content. Did you buy it? Well, you can't play it anymore. No, it's vaulted. It's but gone. we're just gonna keep moving forward because that's just how the game works now. Yeah, I went back and reread the article where they explained vaulting again. And it really, I, I, I have no choice but to believe them that they said it's for stability reasons, it's for optimization reasons, that they can't just continue to add things to the game without taking out the old things. Hearing what the old dev tools were like, I believe that they got into some fucked up mess where they it would be too much work to undo it completely and allow them to. It's keep the lack things. of a plan, though, right? I, but, I, I yeah. think what I I think yeah. where I, I deeply sympathize, other than just it sucks to pay for a thing and be told, yeah, no, you just Horrible. can't, you just can't. Horrible. Um, that's really bad. Like profound. Like <laughs> running service games are, is different. I get it, but I think it's the, the lack of like. But like here is what the here is what's going to happen with this content because maybe they're still figuring that out. Sure. But it's the lack of a here. This is a several year plan. Mm-hmm. Here's where we plan to go with this stuff because it feels a little bit like we're vaulting it so we can retool it and make it cooler. So then when it comes back, it's like a big fucking deal and you're excited. But that is a you. There's reasonable cynicism yeah. in something like that. Yeah. And I yeah, I don't know. Like they they've they've leaned so in so hard into the weekly structure where things kind of change week to week if you're keeping up with it and you're returning to it. Um that at a certain point I understand how that sort of stuff doesn't continue to exist through time, but um, you know, I mean, I'm the other MMO that I'm still very very slowly making my way through uh Final Fantasy 14, I can still play that whole game from the beginning to this day. Um, of course, that game is, they're both about the same size in gigabytes, which I think is telling because Destiny has already removed three years of its content and it's still the same amount of space in gigabytes. So there might be something to the optimization and management thing that they were talking about it when they originally uh, explained vaulting. Um, but yeah, it's it sucks and I, it, I wish there were a better way. <laughs> Vaulting just has like such a specific, if you've been, depending on how old you are, like when I hear, think of vaulting, I think of Disney. The, the, yeah, the, the Disney, Disney vault. The, the, the Disney, Disney vault. vault. The Disney vault. The, the one thing that exists. Yes. yes. It is yes. It is artificial scarcity for the, the explicit purpose of They should not people. have ever said the words destiny content vault. 
but they did. It was a mistake. No. They did. And like, yeah. yeah. They vaulted yeah. guns before, right? Like um, previously they vaulted weapons. Yes. Yeah. Before oh, yeah, that, that went, that went, that went poorly and they, they walked that back. <laughs> well, here's the thing. There were a couple guns yeah. that were too strong. And then as soon as those rotated out, they're like, oh, okay. Uh, people didn't like sunsetting. So we'll stop doing that. Um, so those guns are still there. They're, you can still use them. You just can't uh, use them for like the newest raid because they would be too underpowered to use. Uh, you could use them in PvP where power level doesn't matter. But apart from that, yeah, they were you're not they were not upgradable after a certain point. Um, but yeah. Uh, but Destiny. for those who are surfing the leading edge of yeah. Destiny. Better than it's ever been. Better than it's ever been. Better than it's ever been. And like the best, uh, a a more uh, welcoming uh, onboarding place for people who are curious of it, about it. Like this campaign is really neat and really, uh, really well focused. Kato, do you think you can evaluate that? Uh, no. <laughs> I want to try. I'm like- Look. No, no, because I have the other ones. I have the other things that existed to uh, compare against, right? And, like, they've just made... Some of it is just UI changes, uh, but some of it is also just kind of narrative through line that has, makes it kind of clear what your next step is yeah. all the time. And it doesn't saying, try to pull you I don't even need to talk about the onboard. Like, we'll have to release Patrick into Destiny, like, one of those, like, build, like, one of those little cat mazes that people build. yeah. And like, go, see what Patrick go. does. What do you, what do you do? You can, yeah. <laughs> can you find the like, cheese? <laughs> just sort of film Patrick. Like, <laughs> all right, you haven't played Destiny in ages. What I happens would, I'm now? Actually, yeah, I would. I would be really curious. I have, I haven't touched it since the Taken King, and like, thoroughly enjoyed the Taken King. This like, is got, this is like got the, take it. Got I was got taken. This motherfucker don't even know about the Red War. Wow. Wasn't the Red War? It was the Red War before? That was base okay, Destiny I mean, Two. Yeah, I played that. Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, because the Taken King, the Taken King, King like, the but Destiny but I, I, I anything the same about one. the Red War. He can tell you. <laughs> okay. So I'm getting all my destinies mixed up. This 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 tells you. <laughs> yeah. I come in every time. There's what I want is I just want Bungie to make another like spectacle campaign shooter, and like they don't. But every time there's a new expansion, I'm like, well, maybe this one will have a little. Bit I of think this one gets I'm there. I think this for. one is like the missions in this one are like. Spectacle and like encounter design wise closer to uh, that thing. The Bloodborne influence <laughs> <laughs> are closer to that uh, sort of. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I believe you. But I just also have to, zero personal attachment yeah. to like the setting, lore. Yeah, you know, which queen sounds cool. I know people have said like, oh, it's got like kind of an eldritch, you know, you know, horror vibe. But if I like don't give a shit about. Like the monologues coming out of the characters, like I just—I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll download yeah. it. Like you know, like I—I I, I want to know. It's not gonna be a big deal to check it out, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious how I would respond respond to. Fuck, it. is that a stream idea? Patrick and I play Destiny. <laughs> yeah, and I will silently produce and not say a word. <laughs> and do we, if we're added difficulty, do we start on different platforms? That's not. That's like, nothing. That's easy. Okay. Yeah, their crossbow is actually, it just fucking works. I, I don't, I, I don't last understand. Last time it. I interacted with the system, Kato, it yeah. was like, so it sort of works. Like, you can unify your account. You can't play it on every platform, of course, unless you want to oh, buy it in three places. Oh, oh you but, mean like, 
having an account across multiple that part is still yeah you have to rebuy the dlc if you move from one place to another yeah uh, that sucks but playing with other well, it's people all on what's that i can do the pc's fine we could do pc yeah right aren't you playing on pc all um, my shit on was, steam all my stuff was bought in on playstation 4 mm-hmm. oh well you have and that so account this was the other thing is like yeah rob, rob you'll have all your rob. stuff not that that you stuff matters. Wait, PS4? Wait, what, what, send, what was the last time you played? Email. Wait, wait, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, no, no, wait. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want the code. I can get, like, what amuses me is the notion that, like, Kato's saying this is easy. Like, mm-hmm. how I can just pick up my old account, I'll just buy the game, get it all working. I'm actually really curious even that part is as easy as Kato's <laughs> making it out to be. Or if it's like, fuck, I shouldn't be locked out of one of my Destiny accounts? What the fuck is the password to... Oh, well, you, try, you were trying to merge accounts across platforms. You were yes. trying to do the cross-save thing. That mm. part is... That part is... Yeah. Fuck, great. Awesome. Love to hear that. <laughs> but Love it's to doable. Hear it. You Love just have to make sure forever because I fired up an Xbox One version for like thirty minutes. You don't. Well, you could I mean, just at ignore this it. Point, you could just, you just start a fresh character. Like, who cares? Yeah, like, do you yeah. Have I mean, it's just, in all my saves head. now, Cade is still alive. <laughs> um, he doesn't where my exist. Character He's not is, in the game. Cade, they Cade's, vaulted Cade. <laughs> why you got to do that? <laughs> they well, couldn't anyway. pay Nathan Fillion. <laughs> That's true. That's all going to change once the Sony bucks show up. Oh my god. Sony Sony's going to be like you got to bring back all the expensive voice actors. People love them. God. Um All right, so I've been playing something too. <laughs> What's that? We've promised a year of motorsport. Uh-huh. And the year of motorsport continues apace. Uh, I got access to a new racing game this week. It's real exciting. Um, And I've been having sort of an unconventional path through it uh, so far. Talking, of course, about Grid Legends, uh, the (laughs) new racing game from Codemasters, uh, which is, well, it's a great question. If you're like, hey, Rob, what's Grid? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, well, I remember it's a it's a it's a four player midway arcade game. It had a, a it was green themed. It was like a third person uh, action game. It was trying to do kind of like a quake thing. But like, what if we did it in the arcade? This kind of reinvented that it took that took that IP <laughs> and years ago it turned it into a racing game. And Grid is one of the most like it is it is a. It's a series that kind of baffles me because you have to understand Grid 1 was like Codemasters, like sort of retiring the Toka series. If you remember the Toka race driver series, which also had like weird narrative beats with like plastic yes. drivers in yep. uh, the Uncanny Valley. Grid kind of went in that direction. Uh, Grid sort of supplanted that with a not quite, it was like semi realistic racing game. Uh, that took place in like a world where all racing is unified and you're just racing across like every every racing discipline. And that first game was really good. Um, they had some really cool modes in that, but I think the, the big thing they added was they also had uh, Circuit de Sarth, uh, which is where they run the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And that was really cool. Um, and then every single successive time, they just would change what grid was, like just completely flip the table. So like the next time around, it was even more arcadey. But now their entire like, I want to say grid two was entirely like the most 
uh, the kids are into social media now. So the overarching like structure of Grid 2 is like, hey, man, you're trying to make it on social media as like the world's most influential racing star in the world. And so progress can be measured through like how many likes are your clips getting as you run these really conventional boring ass races again and again um, with like slightly less engaging like physics and handling models. They sort of reinvented the series like literally a couple years ago. I think they just called it Grid again and just ignored all the previous games. Do we add do we add periods this time so that it could be like serious like G R I D? No, I think they've been pretty committed to all caps. Uh, no <laughs> okay, periods. all right. Um, okay, right. But it is like Grid. That's that's kind of how. Gotta say, gotta say it with your <laughs> gotta say it with your heart, not even your chest. Don't say yeah. it with your chest. That's what a little bitch does. Say it with your heart. <laughs> um. So now, Grid. Now we have Grid Legends. <laughs> uh, and Grid Legends, I believe, toward the end of last year, I was like, you know what we need? More story modes and racing games. So here's Grid Legends. It's an FMV game. Like, that's all okay. I can... Like, that's all Excuse I can... Me? Looking up this trailer <laughs> right now... So, so Grid Legends looked at the series, like looked at the success of shit like Drive to Survive on Netflix and was like, people love the racing documentaries. So now the structure. Not, of you're the not story, kidding. I'm not you are, kidding. You are not. This is a lot of cameras of real people doing shit. OK. All right. Continue. Yes. And so the structure of this one is before you get into your main campaign, which is kind of like open-ended progression through various like disciplines and difficulty levels of the grid world series. First you run like a tutorial campaign. That's all narrative driven um, about being the young rookie driver at Seneca racing. And the way this is presented is through a documentary, a fictional documentary being made about this fictional racing team that races in the grid series, which is of course the biggest series in the world, because unlike every other racing series, they race all cars. That's what makes grid. So cool is that like, you know, in NASCAR, they race NASCARs, but in grid series, you might be racing NASCARs one day and like, uh, you know, hot hatchbacks the next, and then super trucks. And then like, uh, op- like formula E, uh, electric race cars. Um, you could be doing all that in the grid series. And that's what makes it compelling. And you're joining this, um, like, Seneca racing team, which is basically, it's the most, like, what's the way to put it? Like, almost, it's not as Seneca's bad news bears, but I think Ted Lasso is probably the wrong comparison to draw. Basically, you you are working for the team owner with a heart. The guy who runs Seneca racing is just he even explains like the opening of the campaign is like so Seneca Racing has sucked ass for years. Uh like they're just terrible. And the guy's like, you know what I do? How I evaluate talent? I don't look at on track performance. I look at what's in here. What's in <laughs> what's in a driver's heart. Like I said, say grid with your heart, not your chest. <laughs> the problem is your driver is not a character in the story. This is the thing they, this is the decision they have made, which is that all the other characters around Seneca and its rival teams, they are characters with actors and they appear in the cutscenes. All of this is happening around you, the player character. 
number 22. Seneca 22, your, your number. And that way, you are not a character that you, you don't, you're not, you're not a person. There's not, you like, everyone talks about you, but you never appear in the story, which makes this, the story like way less interesting. Now, the comparison I would make is when they did a story mode for Formula One last year, it was about two like specific characters in that world. Um, and there was no illusion that like you were one of them. No, like you were, you played through the eyes of these characters, but like they were people who existed in these cutscenes and did their own thing. Here, it's like everyone's talking about like whenever twenty two is not on the screen, people should be talking about what twenty two is doing. That is the story. <laughs> that is how this goes about. It is everyone's like, man, what do you think of twenty two? I don't know. I'm just. I'm pretty unpersuaded. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what you're thinking. Hiring this guy. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then, like, by the way, also, nothing is affected by your performance on track. I fucked up. I started on, like medium difficulty. This game seems to be really um, flattering. Is the way I would put it in terms of how difficulty works, because like medium, first time out on the track, I'm winning races, two lap races. By like 25 seconds. That's not that's not supposed that's to happen in a racing game. Yeah. <laughs> so I crank it to hard, and now I'm winning them by 15 seconds. And so I'm like, but but the thing is, so like right from the first, every race, I'm just like breezing to a win, but because they only shot like very like because it's a like really rigid structure of chapters and there's yeah, no like please force. please click on the kind of have you clicked on the clip that I made? I didn't know you do we need to clips. stop do we need to stop and like watch this real quick? It's well so just watch good. this little bit. Just watch so this five good. seconds. Like there's five seconds and I think we'll give you a, a, a <laughs> I saw Rem cackling when I when I when I pasted it. Uh if you just click play at the bottom there, you'll get a just a taste of this one player <laughs> bumping into <laughs> the other player and like you What's, what's the what's deal, the deal man? man? What's like, what the fuck? What's going on? Uh, so which gives me a strong, uh, makes me want to watch you play this game, Rob, <laughs> I'll, I'll say, which is not what I normally say about a racing game. I Does, think, I think, caught up, please. Uh, I was just going to ask, do they ever, do people ever turn to the camera and like address well, yeah, you? Yeah, this is a documentary. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. So Toka it, would do that. The Toka games were all about like, you are a floating head. The right. camera is your perspective. Yeah, and people yeah. are like, and I think I, I got it. Memory might fail me here. I want to say the Toka series might have had a love interest. <laughs> I want to say. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I want to say, like, one of the characters in your orbit, like, wanted to get with you uh. <laughs> in a way that was, like, uncanny in every respect. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, uh, so no, because it's a documentary, like, characters are constantly, like, talking. It's all done through, like, fake interviews. Right, okay. But the thing is, uh, like, I, I, I'm here for anyone trying to make an FMV game uh, in, like, sorry. <laughs> I'm here for anyone trying to make an FMV game, but not so concerned with quality as, like, Sam Barlow is about, like, whether that <laughs> FMV is great. Sure. I, I like somebody who's, like... I will embrace the aesthetics and spirit of 90s FMV. Yeah. And Which, that's what's happening here. But also, like, that's why I asked that specific question, because I feel like a lot of the times that that was the take on early, like, the, the, the ones that I've seen, and specifically the one I'm thinking of that 
is from my childhood is Dune 2000, where you are the commander, and they're mm-hmm. whenever the FMV comes up, they're t- they're speaking to the camera, which is to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Westwood like basically pioneered that yeah. as like a stick for yes. all their you know through the Command and Conquer era. That's what FMV means to me, not just video mm-hmm. live action video, but like that sort of. Mm-hmm kind of milieu i guess that 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 that, uh that very classic um the only the the one place that capitalism can't reach us space Space. that shit i do love so shout out shout out out tim curry maybe does he suck do we know no i don't think so so so, as of this recording i think we're cool congratulations tim curry For dodging the woke, for dodging the woke cancel mob. (laughs) Um, Tim Curry dodging fucking bullets, like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. (laughs) Racism, sexism, homophobia—none of it can hit him. Treating people with respect. Uh, So, and and that maybe that's the other thing is all the actors all the like the writing and performances in this are all like fine but there is a quality to all of it that is a little bit like amateurish in ways that again are like kind of charming like the fact mm. for instance they were like okay so how do we how, this is a fake documentary how do we convince people it's a real documentary well we're going to move the camera a lot. Everything's going to be shaky cam and we're going to be pulling focus a lot of times, even in the segments where it's like an interview segment and like it would be a camera on a tripod Excuse and me, like yeah. somebody carefully lit. No, we're still like pulling and like adjusting focus and like making random cuts to different angles. Doing the um, Battlestar Galactica crash cam on someone's face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you have a 13 year old who's behind the camera, which, oh my God, speaking and, of 13 year olds behind the camera. Oh. It is the and like, but then on the other hand, like, so when you reach the Grid World series, in addition to there, there's the guy, Patrick, uh, you don't see him in the clip that Patrick got, but this dude like Nate McCain, um, who is the douchebag fuck boy, uh, like rock star of mm-hmm. the Grid World series. Right. Son of John McCain. Uh, <laughs> clearly not. If you saw him, he is way too scuzzy in a way not that like obviously there's different for like the thing is i wouldn't say megan mccain is scuzzy i would say there's other negative things i saw to megan mccain but like nate mccain as a character has the most like guy who deals drugs at the beach but during the racing season races cars type of thing (laughs) no this is ideal (laughs) yeah like he is so that's your that's your kind of villain of the story with the but even better than that is the team he races for like Ravenscraft I have no idea um Ravenswood Ravens Hall no no something Ravens something Ravens mm-hmm. anyway they're evil um <laughs> but and, and and I mean that like if you see the movie Twister, remember, like, there's the good, there's the good storm chasers and the evil mm-hmm. ones. It's yeah. the same vibe. Like, how do we know they're evil? Um, there's stuff like black and glossy. Uh, there's a lot of piano black and, like, chrome. Uh, <laughs> yes! Yes! Ren found him. <laughs> Ren found him. Nathan McCain. Oh, my God. Looks this like dude, a Nathan McCain. That guy has had dude. so many pretrial diversions. <laughs> this um, guy is... 
If this dude dread, like cleaned up like 10%, he would be dating every single bi woman in Brooklyn simultaneously. <laughs> every single oh, bisexual wow. woman in Brooklyn just ruined by this one dude the second he puts a beanie on and <laughs> and everyone's mad about it. And everyone's pissed. Other straight men are pissed. Lesbians are pissed. The friends of all of these bi women are pissed. This dude looks like a fucking menace. Oh yep. my god! But he can play like this one song pretty good on his guitar. Like he can't do much else, but like this one song. But he's also he's been part working of your on it during DSA. COVID. He is part of your local DSA, and oh he is the worst. I fucking hate this guy. When I was getting COVID tested, there were two dudes in the COVID testing line just discoursing about the local Brooklyn DSA in Mm -hmm. front of me. And that was one of the funniest fucking conversations I've ever been that. It sounded like an episode of Chapo Trap House was happening to me. Um, (laughs) It was was awful. (laughs) I was was like, damn, where's y'all's Patreon? This is why I don't Um, go outside. (laughs) So, but then his team owner... The guy who like runs so like if if Seneca Racing is good, the people who run Raven are bad, and his team owner um, is also just the like. How do we know he's bad? Uh, he's gonna be the oiliest motherfucker <laughs> that you've ever seen, and in every cutscene, he will ignore whoever he's talking to to look at his phone. Um, and also, he wears like I want to say like white linen suits with like pastels. So like again, really like. Lex Luthor vibes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But again, like I can't, I cannot emphasize enough the oiliness factor. Can here. you give me a name? Can you give me? A, do you remember his name? I can't. I think it might it's be okay. McCain because I think he's like the uncle of Nathan McCain. So it's Raven. Wait, West wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold I've, on. I've got this. I've got this. I've got the. I've got the information yep. that we're looking for. Give me a. Give me a second. Because I just found a. Uh, I'm on YouTube and I found the final cutscene. I, I don't want to look at it because I want to know how the story ends. <laughs> Um, I have a feeling we're gonna win the big game <laughs> through the power of friendship. All right, oh my God, I'm so excited. Grid Legends, click story, um, click. God damn it! Yeah, it's, oh, it's gonna be hard to find. It's gonna be hard to find. But so the other thing is, like, you know, you got your team, you got your engineer, who's your classic like nerd, who's really awkward, but a genius with a car. He, he fixes it. He makes anything, uh, you know, faster that he touches. Uh, you've got, um, uh, your teammate, Yume, uh, who's a really like no nonsense, uh, like butch Japanese racer, uh, who is just like pretty skeptical of you at first, but like once you best her in a race, that I think the mission objective for that chapter is best Yume in a race (laughs) (laughs) on big, big old impact font. Every time you race, Um, like Yume's like, you know, I wasn't sure about you 22, but I think you and I are going to do great things here together at Seneca. God, it's so Um, funny to me that they stuck with 22 instead of giving you a, you a character name because like, if you're just going to have people say a name anyway, just pick one. Just pick one. Pick a name, damn it. <laughs> yeah, like it... <laughs> Wait. Is that him? In the background? Yeah, the background dude, yes. <laughs> oh my but he's less fucking... oily there. 
He's still pretty. He's, he's still pretty oily. No, no, that you don't even know how oily he can get. Um, like that's that's him. Like he, he's showered and degreased uh, for this for for this one. Uh, but, but no, I mean, like more back. seriously though, Hair it is instantly like instantly slicks back the moments he gets out of the shower. Doesn't have to wash off the grease. It just. <laughs> but I think it is like kind of an avoidance of like having anything specific about your character and any traits. I sure. think that's the mistake, right? Like, because when you have a story with like a hole at the center, which is like, who is the person who's changing the fortunes of this team? The story's going to be less interesting. Right. Uh, you're not going to like, it's so clear. It's sort of talking around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, again, in, in the F1 game, because they have two specific characters that you take their perspective, like they're actually pretty sharply drawn and like have their own insecurities and vulnerabilities in a way that made that really compelling. And grid legends can't get there. Now also grid legends is happy to be more ridiculous. Um, and the way that, okay. My last thing, by the way, the driving is fine. It's fine. It's really arcadey. Like your cars have no sense of weight or inertia at all. It's like you're it's like you're driving a pair of roller skates. Same. Three um, minutes later, how's the race? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're driving fucking torrent. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like yeah, so you're just like whipping like there's no sense of physical mass to the cars. But last thing I'll say about this game is I feel like so they're shooting on really like inexpensive sets. They're doing a lot of like composite background, you know, stuff where it's like you will clearly see a handful of like real tires in the foreground of a shot. And then the background, like there's a very like bad projection of a of a of a pit lane. But one, they don't like very convincingly light a lot of the sets, uh, which is not which isn't such a big deal. But there's one moment where I was like are they dealing with like guild rules or something here and trying to work around them? There's a moment where Nate McCain and his teammate are walking down the pit grid, the the, the pit pit lane, they're being greeted by fans and everything. And you realize you can't hear the fans. It's like, you know how when you see like behind the scenes shots of like scenes that are shot in like a loud nightclub, but it's all dead silent and people mm. are just like bouncing randomly to a beat that isn't there <laughs> or like a pe- like talking really animatedly as if they're shouting to be heard. Out, but it's like dead silent. This is just that. Yeah. <laughs> and so there will be moments where like the characters will talk to these like fans coming up to ask for interviews. But all you will hear on the soundtrack for like the ambient noise is like something like me, me. That's what it sounds like. And they're like, oh, of course. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a selfie with you. I hate these fans. Always like begging for their selfies. Meh. All right. Yeah, I'll see you later. Fuck these people. Uh, and like a mewling cat. It's, it, it's so weird. But I'm like, is that because if that person delivered a line, their rate would change? Like I was sitting there. I was like, I was sitting there. I was like, is the reason we can't hear these people at all that like. They can have people like moving around doing nothing in the background, but like if anybody says anything, there's something else and they're more expensive. I don't know. Yeah. It, but it's so weird because yeah. it's like you clearly spent, you, like you clearly hired like 30 extras for this scene. Right. But nobody makes a noise 
And so like it's it's really weird uh to like have these two characters that are walking across the soundstage. Um I guess I would say Well, how much is this game? <laughs> how much is Grid Legends? I mean, it's Rod, probably not Grod Legends, Rob. Right? Rob, Rob, Rob Zachney's doing it. This is what consumer journalism looks like. He's doing it right now. Mm, mm, I'm just mm. like, I'm just like, what would I, what would I do? What? Well, it's $60. And <laughs> yeah. uh, yep. what can I say? Like, hey, hey, hold on. Hold on. Try it now with EA Play. Join now for instant access to 10 hours of playtime in Grid Legends. So you could get taste. 10 hours. That's probably the whole campaign. That is you can, true. You that can is probably up. Oh, Patrick just died. Where do you Goodbye, go? Patrick. Goodbye, Patrick. <laughs> I don't know. Hello, Dis- Patrick. Bye, Patrick. Dis- we'll miss you. Discord crashed. But yeah, like I find this game like I'm playing around with it because I got to get out of the this this opening uh, campaign Maybe see what the main game is like, but the campaign is charming. I'm not gonna like pretend that I'm not a little bit charmed, but I wish the racing were maybe a lot better than it is. I feel like it has ended up in um really weightless territory. Um, Rob, Rob, you said the yeah was arcadey, as in not fully arcade ish, but I'm. I saw a, a speed boost in one of these trailers. Well, yeah, but hold on. Formula E racing has speed boosts. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. No, this is. Yeah. Uh, you go through like. The way they're presented on the broadcast is like an AR gate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or like an AR like zone. And uh-huh. you go through it. You activate a speed boost and they let you discharge extra energy uh, for that lap. What? Um, so yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> they yeah, put no, it's super like <laughs> speed boost in real life. Electric car racing is weird, um, and they they try a lot of things. They also have fan boost, um, where like fans vote on like who they like and give that person the speed bonus. I was ho- I was hoping we were talking <laughs> about like you know those things that you you know <gasps> go around in the bayou with. I was like, I thought there's just a giant fan on the back of these cars like fan pushing them a little extra faster. Imagine <laughs> like that. We, we, we stole the uh, motion technology from the Monsters, Inc. fuckers, and now <laughs> we can channel human emotion into power. And so when your fans cheer, much like a screaming child in the film Monsters, Inc., you can just... <laughs> Incredible. I love, I love science. God... This is why we need entrepreneurs. Also, I mean, Kato, like it could be later in the game that you get nitrous boosts. Again, sure. what makes Grid so special is they race every discipline, right? Including <laughs> nitrous-powered tuners. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe who can say? I will say I don't know if it's in this game. Best, like one of the best modes I've ever seen in a racing game was in Grid One, Toge Racing. It is point-to-point racing, like. I think the discipline originates in Japan, but it's like point to point racing along like country roads. But here's the key. Uh, if the cars touch at all, it's over. Like if you like trade even the slightest whisper of paint races over, you have lost. So it is you have to like manage huh. overtakes in these really like tense, like closely matched encounters without touching the other driver and that was such a change in a racing game 
that was like it was fascinating um hmm. and hmm. like i stays with me this day uh, i long i long to be a toge driver again but so you're anyway. saying my uh aggressive drive avatar style would not uh will not pass muster in uh not in grid one <laughs> but i will say it is an asset oh sorry there's also a nemesis system where like if you sorry what? bash somebody but it's not real like you bash somebody oh. out of the way early in the race it's like oh they're not gonna like that and it's like this person's your now your nemesis and the ai driver will start driving real angry mm. um but if you pass them and leave them behind, it doesn't matter. But like, sure. if you can't, then they'll come up and just try to like knock you into the wall or knock Damn. you out of the race. And that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of hoping, and maybe in the campaign, there will be this where like maybe nemeses persist between games. That would be cool. But at the moment, all it is is like you smack into somebody early in the race and now they just hate your guts for the rest of the race. <laughs> but I'm like, bye. <laughs> I, uh, I'm really excited for when you smack into a guy and then they actually develop an immunity to smacking where they're like, you, I beat you last time after you smacked me and now you can never smack me again. My car has a repulsive shield <laughs> Bigger, on bigger it. bumper. Just like increasingly like, yeah. armored against you. You can also kind of take control of other drivers, which is pretty uncomfortable for everyone involved and says a lot of odd things about the video game and kind of how it's, you know, constructing an idea of politics and selfhood and who gets to be a person. And that's really weird for everyone. I love grid motorsports. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So look. If you are if you are if you will stand up for the spirit of FMV games. It is alive and well in Grid Legends. <laughs> um, and Rob, can I hear that name with your heart? Grid Legends. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I, I needed. Yes, uh, send Vinny a message, Rob. Let him know there's something to add to his docket. I'm not sure <laughs> Grid Legends would have been on his uh, his FMV list, but you, you might need to tell him that Nextlander's got to add that to their streaming list. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's so it's so rote. Like it doesn't have any nowhere near the freedom of expression that uh, Ripper gives you. Um, but does have some of the same vibe of like, wow, they really cut a lot of corners here in ways that are beautiful. <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm all for it. All right, uh, I think that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you well, yeah, I guess I didn't play the Steam back for two weeks, but that's fine. We can save we can save for next week. <laughs> We're at two hours. It's two hours. I, well, I, I, I didn't expect 35 minutes on Grid Legends. It was a good 35 minutes. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, we, maybe, we, if we, the, maybe if it was an FMV game machine, uh, Patrick, it would have been more uh-huh. interesting to us. Can you play Grid it's, Legends on the Steam Deck? It sounds like Probably. it's suited to be an FMV. <laughs> oh my God. Shut play anything on it. No, well, I have a big piece going up on it when, when this goes out. Uh, We'll just we'll just connect that in the uh, before waypoints next week. Um, we'll just have a, a gaming. Uh, the short version is it's a cool device that um, is really just a computer that you can brick if you want and do whatever you want with it. And it just happens to have a fancy UI on it uh, and has a very loud fan and it runs Resident Evil 7 Village really well. Hmm. Uh, oh, it does. Yeah. At like 60 frames a second. Um, hmm. It's uh it's a it's a wild it's a wild device. I, I like it quite a bit. You probably actually want to wait for the version two of it, but it's uh, in terms of replacing a switch with something that will just run games better. Um, it's really neat. But we can we can unpack that next week. Um, but the, there's a big piece that'll 
get into all of that on the site right now. Also, when's that thing that I'm secretly buying? From you're in. You're in. Uh, you're in Q2, Rob. Okay. Uh, is what my um the like Steam, Steam like Deck Q2 launch fiscally day. or like I don't know, dude. The the okay. the the Steam Deck launch day is technically the embargo date, which is like the day that this podcast comes out. But Steam Deck launch day is just emails going out to people to let them process their payment <laughs> to then to then get a, a deck shipped to you. I, I think they're having a lot of. Uh, hardware allocation issues, um, which is not, not super shocking. So I, a Q2 could mean, I think you're looking at summer pro- oh, probably. All right. Well, I guess it's not reasonable to wait for the, for me to get mine for us to have the big discussion about the steam deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, the conversation six months late. We'll talk more about the steam deck soon I'm, I'm sorry patrick i i guess you know that was more important than grid legends if i'm being honest but i'm being honest it's possible i misallocated our resources on this show <laughs> but that's what people love about us right like that's 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 the that's the waypoint promise is that we will will it be in the direction we should be looking no will we, we will we be looking in a direction for 30 minutes yes uh, and if you want to help us look in the wrong direction, uh, you can support us at waypointplus.com. Uh, we've been streaming a whole bunch lately. Ren and I are continuing to uh, beat up on dissenting nobles in Warhammer. Also, we we managed to take an L on a fight the game said was going to be like laughably easy. And like we ended up losing an entire army to rat people. It takes zero responsibility. It's fucked. It's (laughs) fucked up. Um, Like it was one of the worst things ever happened to me on stream. Um, Don't watch that video. Um, Kato edit the part out where we eat shit. Uh, we had a, we had a better battle later. We had like a we had like one of our better battles later in that episode. Like we fucking, we turned another L into an incredible victory. Um, yeah um that's true that's true we were booked to lose and then we 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 did it again but yeah uh so yeah waypointplus.com uh there's been some elden ring streaming um i'm not sure like maybe we'll do more tomorrow or maybe we'll do fire team Mm. who can say who's yeah we haven't haven't figured that out part that part yet if you're listening Um, something's going on right now as you're listening if you downloaded it immediately do this shtick again (laughs) If you listened next week, there is, statistically speaking, probably something happening on our Twitch channel right now. That's true, too. We're doing And, lots. of course, we're all on Twitter. Um, and then there's the <laughs> Facebook and YouTube channel. Waypoint we're on Vice. the Bird Hell site. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but most importantly, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. And that gives you access to our premium feed. But uh, that also helps you support waypoint and all the mistakes we make here our theme music is by bowen the track is miss you off the ep pale machine learn more at waypoint.zone slash b-o-e-n uh for now we're saying we don't have time to discuss the steam deck uh we will talk to you again next week until then fuck capitalism go home
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.